Are you ready for some hot, steamy conversation? Coffee Talk. I'm Soy, host of the fastest growing online talk show where we discuss real topics with real people in real situations. a caller on the line here to share some information with you. She is known as Anne, the Attitude Adjuster. She's out of Mableton, Georgia. Let's welcome her to the show. Good morning. Good morning, Anne. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing wonderful. And yourself? I am well. I'm well. Thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate you joining us on this platform. Thanks for the opportunity to share with your audience. I'm I'm very thrilled about the opportunity. It's really a magic that happens when one soul shares with another soul and they have similar experiences, but two or more have gathered, kind of the concept. And I have a mission, actually, is helping women turn the page to productive behavior by thinking, then acting differently. And that's the premise behind the attitude adjustment. Once you feel different about yourself... There's a magic that happens. So it's I'm very comfortable, and I know that it is uncomfortable for a lot of people to share, you know, negative and uncomfortable things that have happened in their life, but that really is where the healing begins, is by sharing with another person. We appreciate your courage, and we're thankful for your courage today. 
What have you suffered from addictions in in the past? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Many years ago, I was addicted to a substance, and ironically, it gave me a false sense of confidence because I gave up that substance, never went back to it, never went to treatment or any type of detox, Mm -hmm. and it was during a time in my life where it was very popular on the, the party scene. I never really considered the seriousness of it until I found one day that I was willing to go to any lengths to get it. And I called a hotline number, thank God for hotlines, and I talked to a young lady, actually, and she sent me some information. I've never met her. I still have the sticky she attached to the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and her name was Margaret. Again, I've never met her. She She sent that. And I didn't even expect it at the time. And a gentleman met me on Baker's Meal at TCYB, no longer there, and told me what recovery was about. And because it was easy for me to walk away from the substance, again, it gave me a false sense of confidence. So we fast forward 20 years, and I'm drinking, and I'm drinking quite a lot. And the same thing happened. I sought help by calling a hotline number, and someone directed me to a location where I had attended meetings 20 years earlier, and you, you know, you reflect back on, on situations like that and, and the circumstances behind 20 years between one situation and another. I'm a different person, and I really sought out recovery, and it is a way of life for me now. So now, tell me this. Now we we used to when when we think about addictions and we think about drug addiction, especially alcohol and alcoholism, there used to be a certain kind of person that would come to mind. You know, where you look at sitcoms now and they have um, people on there like Ned the Wino and and people mm-hmm. who's walking around with a brown bag in their hand and they slurring and they falling all over the place. Um, I'm learning that. Alcoholism doesn't look like that anymore. What Absolutely does alcoholism not. look like today? You know, it is the boardroom executive. It is the person who goes out to lunch and returns to work, and they are quite capable of performing their job. Of course, you have a, you're not at optimum level, but optimum is relative particularly if you are in a task-oriented job where as long as the job gets done, there isn't a lot of oversight. So what you'll see, and it's very much for my case and a lot of the women who are attracted to me when I speak and they come up to me afterwards, they're the people who are making six figures or high-profile incomes, high-profile positions, going home every night and drinking two bottles of wine and not thinking so much about it until there are consequences. We don't tend to make changes in our lives unless something forces us to. We're very comfortable in our our habits. Well, drinking, consuming that type of that much alcohol eventually causes physical problems, 
And for me, it was a sense of sadness and emptiness that led me to recovery. Not so much the consequences outside. I did have some issues with law, with the legal system, but very, very minor because I've never been in trouble before. So to look back on that now, and I see people who are who are experiencing the same thing, like little trouble, but they have the money to pay it off. They retreat into their home. You may you learn not to drink and drive when you have serious consequences. You just go to the store and you make sure that you have a substantial supply. I actually used to look at it as a badge of accomplishment to purchase a large volume of alcohol and expensive alcohol. But I wasn't looking at it in a... I'm escaping from reality way because so many of my friends are doing the same things. So I, I know that there are women out there who are living that same type of lifestyle and coming home and being very uncomfortable in their own skin and very lonely, very lonely. Uh, okay, and, and, and because of that, they, they, they start to consume alcohol. Well, you know, alcoholism, drinking is progressive. So what starts out is one bottle of wine. Nobody may not, you know, half a bottle of wine. No one frowns. You've had a hard day. No one takes notice. A few months later, it's a bottle of wine a night. And it's not long before you're passing out and waking up in front of the television. So unless there is some type of intervention, and it could be your family, it, it's different for, for every everyone. But what we say in the fellowship is that once you're a pickle, you can never be a cucumber again. Once you cross that imaginary line, there usually is some type of medical intervention, rehabilitation that's required to get back on the right track. Okay. Okay. Now, earlier you mentioned that recovery is a lifelong process. Absolutely. Let's talk about the recovery process and what it entails. Well, it entails, again, sharing with another human being, making taking away the loneliness one, but also deflating the ego. So you have someone that knows just about everything about you. Mm-hmm. And there is a system, system called the 12 Steps, which you are led through by a sponsor, again, another soul, talking to another soul, and regularly attending meetings. Meeting makers make it. So regardless of the substance, the different ways that people escape, whether it's eating, drinking. I have women that approach me who are cutters, who are anorexic, Ironically, the choice that's made as a form of escape, of a form of making yourself feel more more comfortable in your own skin, oftentimes is based on what you are exposed to. I wasn't exposed to a lot of other things, but I was definitely exposed to a lot of drinking and alcoholism in my family. Awesome, awesome information. 
And 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 you speak throughout the Atlanta area um, on attitude adjustments, dealing with addictions and other issues. Addictions. I work within the sexual trafficking community as a volunteer, mm-hmm. and my audience really centers around women, women okay. and girls, empowering, and sharing similar circumstances. But it's not just in the Georgia, the southeast. I am willing to travel pretty much anywhere in the country, giving the audience that is the ones that will relate to what I have to share. And I'm very honest in my bio about other problems and challenges Mm -hmm. that I've overcome in my life and had to deal with sexual abuse and sexual uh, assaults. So it's not just, and this is really key to the fellowship, it's what about you is it that you're not accepting and not dealing with and not releasing. And that's what the steps do. It allows you to look into your part in challenges that you've had in your life. Sometimes you don't have a chance. You have no part in it. Sexual abuse on a minor is pretty much the fault of the adult, but still not dealing with issues that occurred. Lots mm-hmm. of women have been sexually abused and never tell a soul or only tell their best best girlfriend. But their pain, the hurt, the shame never goes away until you deal with it. So sharing has become my way of helping women turn the page to productive behavior by thinking then acting different. Once you think differently, you're ready to make a change in your life. And when you're ready to make a change, it's like anything. When you're ready, you're ready. And you're willing to go to any length that be happy, joyous, and free is the way we phrase it. There is nothing that is better than peace of mind. And that's what, that's really what the goal is, is peace of mind, being comfortable in your own skin. And if I can facilitate that type of growth, mm-hmm. and it's mutual. I grow every time I share because everyone's experiences are unique to them. But that universal it, that universal humanity that we all share, the, the need to be listened to, the need to be loved, uh, that's where the magic happens. I'm getting excited and emotional just talking about it. Well, that's exactly what we like to hear and the attitude adjuster. We hope that our listeners are getting excited and emotional about it as well. But please let them know where they can find out more information about you and, and get you in and call you in to speak. That would be awesome. You can reach me by dialing me direct at 678-571-8838, 678-571-8838. You can also contact me via website at and that's A N N E the Attitude Adjuster dot com. All right, and well thank you so much for being on the show. We have certainly enjoyed um your presence and we hope that the information you shared will touch someone's heart and, and, and push them or nudge them in an area where they would be ready for change. 
It was an honor, and I appreciate you. And we certainly appreciate you, Ann Taylor. Now we're going to turn the mic over to our next guest on the we show. We have uh, Susan Woodfield, a licensed professional counselor, in the studio with us today. She has a practice, Suddenly Professional Counseling and Consulting, located in College Park, Georgia. So we want to welcome her on the air as well. Good morning, Susan Woodfield. How are you? Good morning, Soy. I have my hot drink with me, and I am ready to go. All right. Well, all right. That's exactly what we like to hear. And we appreciate you being on the platform this morning and sharing and your expertise in this area. We thank you. I appreciate about... it. I was saying thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Oh, absolutely. We're talking about dealing with addictions. So I have a question for you, Susan. How do you, how does a person know when they have an addiction or a substance abuse problem? That's a very good question um, because we all tend to have relationships with substances, and I think that's the critical point is that there are levels of relationships with substance, if I can uh, frame it that way, meaning that one can use a substance, one can abuse a substance, and one can become dependent on a substance. And let me kind of break each of those down a little further. For the most part, we all use substances. Millions of Americans in the morning have a cup of coffee. Caffeine is an addictive substance. I may have a cup of coffee once a week, once a month. I use a substance meaning I can use it one time, never think about it again. There is a line between using a substance and abusing a substance. And where that line is for any individual is different, kind of depending on their own history, depending on their genetic disposition, depending on their social uh, socialization. Uh, but for most individuals, you can cross a line from using a substance, meaning socially, casually, to abusing a substance. When you cross into abusing a substance, it means that you may be using it excessively, uh, that you may experience uh, negative consequences as a result of abusing that substance, negative consequences uh, in your health, uh, at work. However, because you are abusing a substance, you can at that point, sometimes because of the negative consequences, say, for instance, uh, receiving a DUI, you can say, okay, that's it, I'm done, and you can stop. So with abuse of a substance, you still have the ability on your own to stop. If you continue abusing a substance, you'll cross another line, which, again, is intangible for most people. You don't know where that line is, and you cross into becoming dependent or dependency. At that point, the telltale characteristic, and this is where addiction comes in, is that you are no longer able to stop on your own the drug is in control or the substance is in control. 
the substance is in control, exactly, because you have lost control over your ability to not use the substance. So sometimes even when you say to yourself or the user may say to themselves, okay, today I am not drinking, I'm not using, I'm not snorting. However, by the end of the day, they, they use. And that is because at dependency level, you are no longer uh, in control, and that is because addiction is a disease. The part of the body or the organ that addiction affects is the brain. Where addiction lies in the brain is the part of the brain that you cannot cognitively override. Because, again, you can say, I'm not using today, I'm not drinking today. However, you you do it even when you don't want to. And that is because the intense craving and where that is lodged in the brain, you don't necessarily have control over. You can't cognitively say, I'm not going to do this, or you can say it, but you, your, your inability and because of the intense craving, because of the part of the brain where that is, you don't have control over it. Other telltale signs of dependency, and this is what we look for in terms of assessing whether or not a person is using, abusing, or dependent on a substance, is they also experience losses. And by that I mean the individual, because of their relationship, which is a dependent relationship with the substance, they experience losses in their life. For example, losses of relationships. There may be people who walk out of their life and say, I can't deal with this anymore. They may lose a job because of their dependency on the substance. They may lose um, uh, money, uh, other relationships. Their health may be affected, uh, and so that they lose um, health um, benefits, and health, their their health declines. Uh, oftentimes, we see loss of possession. Uh, we see loss of privileges. For example, with a DUI, your license may sus- be suspended, so you are no longer able to drive. So we look for losses in terms of dependency. For the individual, because of how addiction affects the brain, they really don't see it the way that others on the outside looking at the individual see it because you'll hear family members often say, why don't you just stop? Can't you see what this is doing? You've lost this. You, you're doing this. You can know, you're no longer welcome at my house, <clears throat> Excuse me, which again is a loss. The user, however, and and everybody's heard this term, can be in denial, meaning that how they see their addiction and how they see their behaviors can be totally different than someone looking at it. And so they believe in their mind, I can stop any time. If I wanted to stop, I could stop. And, And family members say, well, just stop. But again, because they've crossed that line into addiction, they are not able to stop. What typically happens for an individual to come out of denial, and I call it a collision, is that they have a collision between what they believe about their addiction and the path that they think that they're on and the path that they're actually on. So, for example, they may believe that they can stop at any time. 
um, and that their addiction isn't affecting anybody but themselves. Uh, but then they wake up one morning and they realize that they have stolen rent money. And as a result of stealing the rent money, uh, there might be an eviction or there might be this um, cascade of negative consequences. And then they lose the relationship. They, are, they lose the ability to come home. And then at that point, there's a collision because then they experience all of these negative consequences which, quote-unquote, jar them out of denial. And they realize, okay, maybe something is wrong here, you know, because this really isn't me. I've never stolen before. I've never been put out before. And at that point, that, too, is your, quote-unquote, window of opportunity for intervention. Because prior to that, the user doesn't really see that as a problem. Because of the denial and because of the way they're looking at it and believing, I can stop any time. I just, and I've heard it, I just like to get high. Now, now Susan, does that collision of events, is that also what people refer to as rock bottom? Is that the rock bottom? Yeah, <laughs> yes, I think that is what that means, right, is that there's these negative consequences that that occur that cause a, po- a person to look at their situation differently. And you you do hear people say, okay, you, I hit rock bottom. Yes, absolutely. Now, is there a way to discourage youth and maybe to, because you often hear that, well, people will stop when they get ready. You know, when there's no way you can coach, um, coerce them into a treatment program. You know, sometimes people, uh, you see people where they're maybe detained. Maybe they they have crossed the line and they've encountered some negative consequences. They've been detained. You know, maybe legally, or a family member um, takes them to a treatment plan program, 14 days or something like that, and then they come out and, and they do it again. And then these people say, well, they'll stop when they're ready to stop. So is that actually true, or is there a way you could um, discourage someone using um, drugs and being addicted and try to get them on a path, a different path? Th- that is true in that a person has to be ready and make a decision themselves that they are ready to stop using. Uh, Right, when people are mandated to treatment or they're going to treatment because my wife said so or my husband said so, uh, they typically are not really at that point of readiness for change. And so, right, it does have to be the person's choice. What family members and loved ones can do uh, and most people have heard this term, is stop enabling the person to be able to use without negative consequences. So, again, the more that they experience losses and negative consequences and uh, detriment as a result of their using, they tend to, quote, unquote, hit that rock bottom quicker. Uh, and so rather than particularly let's, let's use the scenario of a parent child, and I'm talking about an adult child, okay. um, is using. And my son comes to me and says, oh, Mom, you know, I, uh, I can't pay my rent this month. Can you help me with my rent? And I pay the rent. 
However, they can't pay their rent because they use that money uh, on drugs. So next month, guess what he may do? He may do it again. And so in many ways, I've enabled him to continue in his addiction versus saying as the mother, no, I'm not paying your rent. So then again, he experiences a negative consequence. He may do something criminal to get the rent money, or he may decide, okay, I can't do this anymore. This isn't working for me. So again, people around a person who has an addiction have to be careful between helping and enabling the addiction to continue without negative consequences. When we love people, and particularly when we love people who are addicted, we think that our behaviors are helping them and not understanding that often some of the things that we do in, in the, <clears throat> in the uh, guise of helping is actually enabling, and enabling meaning we allow them to continue in their addiction without experiencing the negative consequences of their choices and their behavior. And oftentimes it is those negative consequences that prevent or, or that cause, excuse me, not prevent, but that cause them to realize they have a problem. Wow. Such great, 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 great information. Susan, tell, um, give the listeners a little bit more information about where they can find you. I know you're located in College Park, Georgia. That's right outside of Atlanta. Uh, let's share the website, uh, your website address with them for those who, are, who need to speak with you. Okay. Uh, my website is www.suddenlypc.com. P as in Paul, C as in Charles, dot com. Uh, I am located at 1631 Phoenix Boulevard, Suite 9, in the Phoenix Office Center Park, uh, which is conveniently located right off of I-285 at Riverdale Road. Uh, I have a private practice. I do do substance abuse assessment, substance abuse uh, aftercare. Uh, and when someone is struggling with, with substances, uh, and not really knowing, okay, do I have a problem? Do I need help? Uh, substance abuse assessment kind of evaluates where a person is and what level of intervention is needed uh, to most help that individual. Because oftentimes, uh, depending, again, where they are, whether it's use, abuse, uh, inpatient treatment or 30-day treatment may not always be what's necessary. Um, and so, again... Seek the help that uh, you need to find out kind of where you are and what would best help you. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We, <clears throat> I, I pray that someone is inspired by this information that you shared. So thanks again for uh, being on the show. Thank you for the opportunity. You've heard it. You've heard it here, right here on Coffee Talk with Soy, where every Saturday we are talking about topics that affect our community. We hope that Coffee Talk with Soy is empowering you because it's all about healing hearts, changing lives, and restoring vision one listener at a time. We would like to thank you for listening. We thank our 
panel guests for speaking and sharing information on such a topic. We know that dealing with addictions is complicated, but we hope we've provided you with tools that you can use right here on Coffee Talk with Soy. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Become our friend. Find us. Stay connected. Follow us on Twitter. And always check out our website at www.coffeetalkwithsoy.com where you can get the library of all the shows you missed. Coffee Talk with Soy is where real talk happens every Saturday. Have a best weekend. We'll see you right here next Saturday.